Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. I'm also one of those lifelong small government conservatives who doesn't understand why the issue of the national debt isn't having a major impact on our politics. I don't get it, but Megan Klein, Managing Editor for National Affairs, has an excellent piece in the current Weekly Standard on precisely that. Megan Klein, why shouldn't we do it for the children? Hi, Michael. Um, well, the reason that we shouldn't do it for the children is that it's deceptive because it's not this generation's children who will be affected. It's people who are adults now who are most likely to bear the brunt of our crippling national debt. And so if you say that it's for the children, we're giving the sense that the calamity that our debt is likely to bring uh, is going to come much later than it seems that it actually will. Uh, Megan, speaking uh, purely demographically, who's the person listening to this Weekly Standard podcast? Like what age group should and or age and income group should be going, oh my gosh, this debt is a problem for me? I think the people who should be most worried are people in their early 30s and younger. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about voting ages, so between right. 18 and, say, early 30s, because they're the people who, if you look at the, the two well, there are many harms that come with excessive government debt, but two of the most prominent are the, the risk of a debt crisis and skyrocketing interest rates, and the other great risk is economic stagnation. And people in this age range are likely to be hardest hit by those two consequences. If you look at who borrows in America and when debt tends to peak, it tends to sort of reach its maximum right around the time that people are in their 40s and going into their 50s. And then if you look at when our debt cri- when a debt crisis is most likely to happen based on CBO and other government projections, those two line up almost exactly. So that right around the time that people in this age bracket, 18 to, you know, let's say in their early 30s, would be most likely to have their heaviest debt burdens, that's right around the time that the government's finances become completely, catastrophically unmanageable. This is the Weekly Standard Podcast, Managing Editor of National Affairs, Megan Klein. I don't understand what you're talking about. President Obama got the fiscal cliff deal fixed. He just raised taxes. Aren't all of our debt problems solved? Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. I didn't get that memo. (laughs) Um, That would be nice. Um, I have a bridge in Brooklyn also that's for sale. Uh, But it's, you know... If you look at the alternative fiscal scenarios and the way things are most likely to play out, the numbers are what they are, and there is just not enough money that will come in. I mean, our entitlements are what's driving this, and there's not enough money that could possibly be raised through taxes to pay down those obligations. Speaking of demographics, uh, they're very imbalanced. I mean, as the baby boom generation retires, more and more people will be relying on Social Security and Medicare, and the expenses for those are just unimaginably large as you go out, you know, a decade or so. Um, but let me interrupt you there because, uh, for example, Nancy Pelosi said uh, last year, I have a, a, a solution for Medicare. It's called Medicare, 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 Medicare. And she said it just like that. And the argument is that uh, people who say that Medicare is in any sort of serious fiscal danger at all anytime soon, people who talk about Social Security, that they're just uh, doom and gloom sayers or they're looking for a worst case scenario. Why are you so confident that the numbers are that bad when Harry Reid and President Obama says everything's fine? Well, uh, forgive me, but I'm not super inclined to trust Harry 
Reid and President Obama on the matter of budgeting. I mean, look, the, the trustees of these programs, the people who are responsible for looking at the balance sheets, are saying that certain key components of them are going to go bankrupt uh, in this time frame. So you have Medicare Part A going bankrupt, I think it's 2024, Mm -hmm. and Social Security in 2033. These are the government actuaries who are responsible for looking at the books for these programs. So if you don't want to believe my doom and gloom, believe theirs. Right. Um, So you mentioned in the, the headline of the article, Don't Do It For The Children. I've been one of those people in my talk radio career and writing columns, et cetera, who's been saying you know, how this is so unfair to our kids. Why are you throwing this debt on the back of our kids? And you're saying that that's obviously that doesn't have much political potency. It certainly has nothing good that I can see, but also that it's not accurate. If you wanted to get voters to focus on debt and deficit, how would you craft the message or who would you talk to? I would talk to these younger voters, and I would say do it for yourself. I think for people who don't have children, the do-it-for-your-kids line is not really going to be urgent and gripping. Right. And I think it's more honest. And if you look at how sort of voting breaks down, if you look at this past election, for instance, older voters tended to vote. The balance was shifted more toward Mitt Romney. Right. And younger voters are more likely to vote for Democrats. The reasons may not be over fiscal issues. But for whatever, I mean, if you take all of the reasons together, you know, the, the older Americans, the people whose, whose children, you know, sort of in their 30s to 18 will be affected, they're already voting for candidates who are saying that they want to reform these entitlements and manage spending better. So the people who need to be persuaded are the voters who tend to vote for Democrats, who seem, who the people who are saying, oh, there's no problem. Um, and so they should be reached with a message that speaks to their self-interest, right? Because they're the people who are going to suffer a lot if, you know, if they experience a lost decade or two in which economic growth is anemic and, you know, if they face dramatically uh, increased interest rates for borrowing and all the whole host of ills that can go along with unmanageable national debt. But is it possible to convince these young voters that that danger is a real and present one. In other words, you're, you're a young voter who you've only seen economic hardship in the last few years, and uh, and before that you grew up in a time where it's, it seemed like it was always you know, things were always going to get better. Certainly, the media are trying to tell us that as long as President Obama's in office, things are going to keep getting better. How do you get a twenty-something to see? Hey, man, this is racking up your credit card, and the debt collector is going to come get you right at the time you need it the most. Well, I think the fact that. They know, you know, because of the past few years, they've understood what economic stagnation looks like, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the unemployment rate is very high for people in the 20 to 24 age range. Right. Um, and so they've seen firsthand what this might look like. And to connect the dots and say, what you've had the past four years, if you want that to continue for the next several decades, then fine. But if you would like to return to the growth that maybe you knew before, or you would just like to see better opportunities, one way to, those are not going to materialize as long as you have this crushing debt, because a lot of research has been done on this, the connection between very high government debt and low economic growth. And so to start piecing these um, these different arguments together and connecting the dots so that people understand the relationship between high debt and some very immediate negative effects like very poor job prospects. 
Megan Klein, Managing Editor of National Affairs, thanks so much for joining us on this Weekly Standard podcast. You can read her outstanding piece, Don't Do It for the Children, at weeklystandard.com. Be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for updated podcasts. I'm your host, Michael Graham.